You are listening to Veterinary Vertex, a podcast of the AVMA Journals. In this episode, we chat about differences in perceptions and satisfaction among veterinarians employed at corporate versus privately owned veterinary clinics with our guest, Lori Kogan. Welcome to Veterinary Vertex. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Fortier. I'm joined by Associate Editor Sarah Wright. Today we have Lori CSU, woo, CSU 91, go Rams, <laughs> joining us. Lori, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here with us and educate us on this really important topic. Well, I am delighted to be with both of you today, and I'm excited to talk about the topic. So thanks for inviting me. Well, we're excited to hear about it. So let's dive right in. Your manuscript in JAVMA discusses perception and satisfaction among veterinarians employed at corporate versus privately owned veterinary clinics. Can you explain to our listeners the differences between corporate and privately owned veterinary clinics? Yeah, I I think hopefully what you mean is just kind of a, a fundamental difference in that traditionally veterinary clinics have been owned by a veterinarian or a group of veterinarians. And you know, that's kind of the model that many of us grew up with. But more and more, what we're seeing is that large corporations that actually have nothing to do with veterinary medicine are are buying veterinary practices. Um, And so, I mean, there's well over 60 um, veterinary consolidators. and, And most of the people that lead these um, these firms, they're not veterinarians, they're not veterinary related. But um, so now what we have is about 75% of specialty and emergency clinics are corporate owned, and about 25% of, of all um, first opinion clinics. So you have a very interesting study to share with our listeners. What are some important findings from the study? Well, I think one of the first things that we looked at was looking at some of the benefits. I mean, there's a lot of different benefits that um, are usually included within within an employment as a veterinarian. And what we found is that people did report receiving more benefits um, when they worked in a corporate setting versus a private setting. And so those benefits were things like health insurance, like pretty much all of the insurances, health, dental, life. Um, short-term disability. There were they also reported more likelihood of having like mental wellness programs, um, like a VIN membership, um, continuing education paid by their employer. So those types of things. So they had more benefits. Um, but what was interesting was that there wasn't any difference in um, satisfaction of those benefits. So when we looked at satisfaction level between those two groups, so really all of our work looked at um, the um, corporate versus private. And so there was no difference in those satisfactions. Um, what we did find though, were there were a lot of areas that were different. And so um, there were many things that we assessed that really kind of relate to emotional well-being and and burnout. Um, And so those things are things like being recognized or known as an individual by upper management on things like hospital culture, the ability to um, fire difficult or abusive clients and and mentorship. Those things were all rated higher by people that were in private versus corporate practice. 
And then the folks that were in corporate practice also reported feeling more pressure than those in private practice to generate revenue and see more clients per shift. And so together, all those things kind of paint a picture where it looks like maybe that the atmosphere um, in a lot of the private practices might be um, less conducive for burnout and um, things like compassion fatigue and things like that than maybe those in a corporate practice. We also specifically looked at some of the things that, because when you, when you look at all the literature that talks about the benefits of corporate practices, there are a couple of things that are talked about over and over again. One is this ability to have more predictable hours or manageable workloads. And so that was something that was really important for us to look at. And actually, we found no difference in satisfaction level between those in private versus corporate when we looked at all the different aspects that were related to schedule. And so that might be their hours per week, their length of their shifts, um, the ability to leave work at a scheduled time, their ability to um, have a flexible schedule based upon their needs. Um, those were no different between the two groups and nor were the perceptions of their personal caseload. And so that idea that corporate offers more predictable hours or manageable workloads, um, we didn't find that in our research. Um, we also really didn't find that corporate practices ran more efficiently as defined by um, uh, things like being able to acquire equipment, um, um, the ability to get treatment or diagnoses done, um, the hospital flow, the physical space that is um, available to treat animals or practice management software systems. And so again, there were kind of no differences in those. Um, we also looked at, because we thought, well, maybe corporate has a, a lot more capital, you know, um, a lot more money. And so we looked at satisfaction in things like wages for all of the support staff. So the veterinary um, technicians, the reception staff, the, and then the other support staff. And we really found, again, no difference in satisfaction levels for all of those things. Um, but it was it was opposite of what we had thought, perhaps, in that corporate actually people in corporate practice predicted less. They were less satisfied with all those things. So not only was corporate not higher, but it was actually less. And um, and then they were actually less for veterinary, less satisfaction for veterinary production-based um, um, finances as well. And then lastly, one of the other things I just wanted to mention was that we also sometimes corporate talks about this awesome opportunity for leadership opportunities, but we didn't find any difference in um, whether people were interested in obtaining future leadership um, based upon whether they were in private or corporate. And we kind of thought maybe that the people that were really interested in leadership positions, that maybe they might be more in corporate, but that's not what we found. That's really cool. Like that, some of the best studies you do are mythbusters, but they also are like, wow, I heard you say at least three things. That's not what we thought was going to happen. That's not what we thought. Not so much what the perception of corporate versus private, but what did you guys as the authors hypothesize or a priori think was going to happen? And I, I always find those to be the most fun studies to analyze the data. You're like, huh, that's not what I thought. So I wonder what that means. Um, 
And Lori, I would say you're probably best known for human-animal interaction, which is a is a broad term, but how how does that relate and what sparked your interest in this that is a little more narrow in corporate versus privately owned practices? Mm-hmm. Um, well, first I have to backtrack and say I totally agree with you that, that that's what makes research so much fun is, is getting to explore things and either is saying, see, I, I thought I was right or I'll be darned. <laughs> That's not what I thought at all. So um, I'm always open to what the data show. So, um, but to your question, I, I think what really got me interested in this topic, I mean, so to me, the, the realm of human animal interactions is quite broad, you know, and that encompasses the mental health and well-being of everybody that works with the animals. So I'm a psychologist by training. And so I kind of view everything from a psychological lens. And um, and I support and coach a, a lot of veterinarians who um, are either in private or corporate settings. And um, and I've been hearing things for a while now that that maybe less satisfaction from those that were in corporate. Um, and then some real sometimes dread or fear when they when they learn that their hospital is going to be sold to a corporate practice. Um, and so, but then I thought, well, I, I mean, I'm talking to a select group, right? Um, and so perhaps that this is a, a biased sample. And so my view is skewed. And so that's what really want, led me to want to explore this more and say, okay, what, what is the general perception out there? What are they different? Is satisfaction different for people in corporate versus private practices? Yeah, it's one thing to have the idea and do the research, but in the end, what inspired you to write it? And can, if I can selfishly ask to share it with Javma. Well, all of my research really is about trying to make a difference in the world of veterinary medicine and the world between people and animals. Um, and so I love this type of research because it's, to me, it's very applied and um, and we have to know that a problem exists to be able to figure out how to fix it. And so if corporate would have ended up shining in all these areas, I'd say, this is so fantastic. You know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, but I, I think that this really points out some areas where I do really feel like they have the capabilities to change the structure of, of corporations means to me that they could implement some of these changes on on such a larger scale than you know the one veterinary hospital that's owned by one veterinarian, um, and so it's an exciting opportunity to say here's some things that could really move the needle to help veterinarians um, feel more satisfied in their job. So that was kind of the the thought behind this study. Yeah, it's so great when you can listen to a problem, identify a problem, listen to it, design the study. And then actually have an impact and provide what I like to refer to as evidence-based, not eminence-based, right? This this is an argument that's been going on for a long time. And like you said, you hear all these innuendos, but uh, so well done to put some uh, strong evidence behind some of these conceptions and misconceptions. Thank you. Yeah. And you spoke earlier, and we both, we alluded to this a little bit already. It's so much fun when you're like, whoa, I didn't expect that. What would maybe not what's the most important take home message for veterinarians, but what is the most surprising finding from your manuscript that you had? You were like, that can't be. How, why is that? 
Um, one of the things that I double checked a couple of times because I was surprised is that um, that younger veterinarians are more likely to be in the private practices versus the corporate. Um, and because I thought that maybe because of the work schedule and stuff like that or the perception of that, um, I thought maybe it would be the other way around. Um, but then when I you know, did more research around the topic, and really looked at the entrepreneurial spirit of, of younger veterinarians and um, and not always so much wanting to own a practice, but just that that general spirit of, of kind of wanting to find their own path. And um, then it made more sense to me that that they seem to be gravitating more towards private practice. So that was a little bit surprising. Yeah, as a young veterinarian myself, I can attest that's pretty similar to what a lot of my classmates did is gravitate towards private practices, I would say, upon graduation. So, Lori, you've had a lot of advanced training. How has this prepared you to write this manuscript? Well, I I think um, this is what I love doing. So all of my research revolves around human-animal interactions and um, you know, I, I work at Colorado State University, you know, as Lisa said, um, but um, and so, I, you know, I certainly have all those different components of a faculty position, but research is really the thing that excites me. So so I have a lot of experience being able to take things that are of interest and say, OK, how do we explore this? How do we get some data to figure out, like, what our next directions should be? That's almost like the best part is that you get the data and then you're like, ooh, now we can do this and this. And it really does lead down several different paths. So always pushing the envelope. Totally. This next question is very important for our listeners. What is one piece of information the veterinarian should know before discussing this topic with the client? Um, you know, I think that if this topic were to come up, I think that what I would talk about is the fact that whether it's corporate owned or private owned, it's ultimately going to end up on who the individuals are at that particular hospital. And so I don't think that most clients know nor necessarily care whether um, a hospital is corporate or private owned. What they care about is the relationship that they have with their veterinarian and and their veterinary um, support staff. And so that's where I would go with that. Yeah, thank you very much. And you're not unfamiliar to the podcast space. You actually also host a podcast about human and animal interaction. Can you share with our listeners what they can learn from your podcast and where they can find your podcast? Sure. That podcast is um, um, on the human animal interactions um, section website. So that is a section of the American Psychological Association. Um, but anybody can join um, and it's free to join. And then these podcasts are just short podcasts about people's research. It was really my way of I really want to bring together practitioners and researchers because um, oftentimes they're kind of in their own silos. And so I just wanted to people be able to talk casually about what research they do um, and kind of bring those those worlds together of all the people that are interested in human interactions. That's so cool. I'm going to sign out. <laughs> um, maybe you can direct some of them our way to JAVMA because, again, Lori, thank you. This is super important information for our practitioners. So thank you for sharing it with us at JAVMA. 
Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. In order to get to where you are with, uh, as Sarah said, advanced degrees and uh, just a wonderful career, uh, you have to have what some people are calling resilience, inspiration, determination. Where do you think yours came from? I think, I, you know, it, it sounds kind of corny, but I just um, think I just want to make the world a better place, you know, and so that's what always seems to drive, you know, this one next study, or I think, gosh, this is really important to know, this could help kind of move the needle in this important area. Um, and that's really super motivating to me. So when people read my work, or they say, well, you know, I, I, I did something based upon what you did or what I read that you did. Um, that's a ton of motivation to me. So it's so rewarding. Yeah, it's great to be able to help people. So again, I mean, you've impacted so many people with your manuscript and, and coming on this podcast. So thank you again. Thank you. As we wind down, we'd like to ask a little bit more of a personal question, and we always get some great answers to this. What is the oldest or the most interesting thing either on or in your desk drawer? Uh, I, I think maybe one of the oldest things is um, is a picture of my grandmother that I keep in my drawer um, because she was um, a really important person in my life. And um, she really brought home the message to me, probably because she told me a, a billion times how important education was and that it was this one thing that nobody could ever take away from you. Um, and I really took that to heart. Now, I don't know whether she meant a PhD, <laughs> but um, but no, she was a huge presence in my life. And so it's a picture of us together when I was a kid. I remember my mom too, Lori, um, saying, are you ever going to, when are you going to be done with school, right? You do your undergrad and then that oh, school and then a residency and then a PhD. And I was like, it's just, Learning is just amazing. Every day is a school day and it's just, we're really, it's such a wonderful career. Absolutely. I feel so blessed. Yeah. You guys are not alone. I've gotten that question a lot too. <laughs> They're like, so when do you get a real job? That's always the ask. So, <laughs> but no, we're very, very fortunate. It's just a phenomenal profession that we are all a part of. And thank you, Lori, for sharing this manuscript with Javma and for sharing your knowledge with our listeners today too. Well, thank you so much. It was wonderful. And to our listeners, you can read Lori's manuscript in print Javma or on our journal's website. I am Sarah Wright with Lisa Fortier. We want to thank each of you for joining us on this episode of the Veterinary Vertex podcast. We love sharing cutting edge veterinary research with you, and we want to hear from you. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to.